The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to the Pokepress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. In this episode, I interview James D. Train Williams. While many of you will know him as a co-performer of the original PokéRap, it turns out he's actually had a very extensive career, both as a lead singer and a backup artist. For even more stories, be sure to listen after the outro. Thanks. Hi folks, Steven here. I'm on the phone with James D. Train Williams, who, as many of you will know, is one half of the original PokéRap from the first season of the Pokémon TV show. Incidentally, he's also actually a vocalist on Aaron Carr's Have Some Fun with the Funk from Pokémon the First Movie, so he actually has a couple appearances in the Pokémon franchise's music. And James, we just have a slate of questions to ask you. First of all, where are you from, and how did you get into music? Sure, thank you, Stephen, for having me here, first of all. You know, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up in uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, went to Erasmus High School, which was a school that had a lot of illustrious alumni. We had Barbara Streisand graduated from there, Gabe Kaplan from Welcome Back Cotter, also Neil Diamond and Will Downing, the jazz singer. We all graduated from the same school. And so I got into the music industry in gospel primarily, growing up in the church in Brooklyn, uh, Washington Temple Church of God in Christ. And then um, when I got to be about 20 years old, my good friend Will Downing, who was still in Erasmus, I was still in my first year at Brooklyn College, he introduced me to Hubert Eves the third, And we wrote a song called You're the One for Me, which went to number one on the charts, on the Billboard charts. And we never looked back. We had hit after hit after hit after that. And uh, the nickname D-Train, I believe that's named after a train on the New York subway system. How how did that come about besides that uh, reference? Sure. Uh, Aside from that reference, uh, it was the name of the train that went from where I got on at Prospect Park in Brooklyn to Church Avenue where the school was. But I got the name from my football brothers because I was a defensive tackle on the 1978 championship team. I was a defensive captain, and they used to say that I hit like the train. (laughs) When D-Train hit you, it felt like you got hit by the train. Interesting, interesting. Okay, your career kept going from there, though. You got into commercial work. How did that uh, sort of come about? Well, that was interesting because I got a call from, uh, in fact, I was walking down 43rd Street, in Manhattan, and this gentleman walked past me and goes, you're D-Train, aren't you? I said, yes. His name was Bill Eaton, one of the premier producers in Jingle Business, and he was working alongside Debbie McDuffie, who used to work for Uniworld, uh, which was an ad agency in New York. And he says, you know, it's a different type of lifestyle because he says, I realize you have a manager, but we don't do that in the Jingle Business. I just want to have you come in and sing, and we pay you for the session. If it goes final, you get residuals. So I said, okay. 
And at the time, my manager agreed. So that was it. And that was the beginning of my world in the jingle business. That was 1988. Hmm. Uh, and I was still on Columbia Records at the time doing my fifth studio album, In Your Eyes. And so I started with jingles as that album came out. And so it was really interesting going through that change because in 1988, R&B music had changed into New Jack Swing with Teddy Riley and Blackstreet and all of those bands. And with that genre of music, New Jack Swing, my genre of music, which was primarily dance R&B, was going out, just like disco went out when I came in. (laughs) So I got into jingles because, you know, they weren't going to hire me for doing shows. They wanted the new Jack Swing thing, you know, just like, you know, every couple of years, music evolves into something different. And so when I got into the jingle business, it was great because I got to meet a lot of people, a lot of great, brilliant musicians who used to be popular, like the Alessi brothers who used to be in the jingle business, Joey Levine, who wrote hits in the 80s, Jake Holmes. Um, I got to work with all these great, brilliant people and then these great singers who sang on all of this stuff, like Bobby Floyd, you know? And, um, And when I got into that business, the wonderful thing about it, you didn't have to chase people down for your money. The mailman came to your mailbox and delivered 13 weeks of checks. (laughs) in a single swipe. So you fell in love with the mailman. (laughs) Especially if the jingle went final, it was like, okay, here's your 13 weeks worth of checks. I was like, oh, thank you. Okay. Well, you had mentioned Bobby Floyd, which I'm sure is, uh, a lot of folks recognize, is the other half of the original Poké Rap. Um, Did he uh, loop you in on on this? How did you actually get involved with that project? Well, I've known Bobby for years doing jingle music. I met him. He was one of the brilliant people that I got to meet and become very close to in the jingle music. He passed away a few years of cancer. Um, I don't know what type of cancer he had, but he had a, you know, we got to say our goodbyes to him in a final concert. And then he passed away like maybe a week later. Um, But Bobby was best known for being the voice of Jamaica tourism. You know, he was the voice of one love, one heart, come to Jamaica and feel all right. Everybody sing. A lot of people thought it was Bob Marley. In the beginning, it was Bob Marley, but people had to deal with the restrictions of licensing. So they got Bobby to sing it on the jingles. And Bobby's jingle lasted him for 20 years. And so they called him Bobby to be the voice because Bobby had a voice that, you know, when Bobby talked to him, it was like, hey, man. Yeah, that's, that's Bobby Floyd. He had one of those rough voices. And so they loved it. So when he did the characters, it was like, and, you know, and, and it fit. And so I'm singing and he's doing the rap, you know. And what was funny was that I'd sing my part first. They were like, let's just get D-Train in here. Let him sing his part. Because Bobby's going to be here for the next five hours doing characters. Because we had to do X amount, at least 150 or more to see. And to be a Pokemon master is my destiny. That's what it was, right? Mm -hmm. So every episode was like 25 to 50 characters that he had to name on at the end of the show 
And it was it was crazy for him because he had to go Ilgor Rabador and you know and, and I felt so bad for him because it was it was like trying to name all the characters in Star Wars, you know. <laughs> and we had no idea that it would become what it had become because it was so new to America, coming from Japan. Some of the people that worked on the project that sang background vocals, they invested in the stocks, which were dirt cheap at the time, and became millionaires. We didn't because we didn't think it was going to do much. We just thought it was a cartoon, you know. Speaking of the the five days a week thing, you also had to record some banter between the two of you that would play at the like beginning of the the segment. There, what was that kind of like? It was fun because you know what? It's like me and Bobby know how to make each other laugh. It, we just always, even if I was calling him on his house phone, calling him on his mobile, I always knew how to make him laugh. I'd just say something stupid, and he'd be like. Man, you crazy. And then he'd say something crazy, and I'd be like, man, you crazy. So we had that type of banter our whole careers. And I was really good friends with his brother, Frank. Frank Floyd was another one who taught me about the jingle business. Frank had passed of cancer a few years before Bobby did. I don't know if it was the same type of cancer, but uh, Frank was another one who was brilliant in the music industry. And they were known as the Floyd Brothers back in the 70s doing jingles. All right. Well, another song that you had the opportunity to work on uh, was Aaron Carter's Have Some Fun with the Funk, which was not originally designed as a Pokemon song, but eventually found its way to the first movie soundtrack that uh, interestingly effectively makes you one of the few people that's you know on the To Be a Master and Pokemon, the first movie soundtracks, which is a neat little bit of trivia. But how did you get involved on that project? Uh, well, you know, my good friend, again, Paul Umbach, who lives here in Vegas. He's moving back here to Vegas. He was producing on that track, and uh, they called me in to sing backgrounds on that with some other singers. And it was wonderful because what was really cute at the time, you know, Aaron was a little kid. I think he was like 12, maybe 12, 13 years old. And it was interesting to watch like how his brother Nick had already been a big celebrity with the Backstreet Boys. So his mom was sitting there with him in the green room and before we went into the studio and she's like okay Aaron I'll be back to get you at such and such a time because you know when they're that young you got a time limit to have them in the studio and then they got to be done you know so it was so cute to watch him interact with his mom because they were used to that celebrity lifestyle and he wasn't a big-headed kid he wasn't into his stardom he wasn't into his brother's stardom and you could tell it wasn't about nepotism. They didn't give him the gig because his brother was Nick. You know, he really could sing. So we got in there, and we really did have some fun with Aaron. He was a great time. And, you know, Paul and I have remained friends uh, ever since then. And when I moved to Vegas a year ago in 2021, um, the first person that I called in moving here was Paul Umbach. And, uh, you know, me, me and Paul have been some friends since 1991. Yeah, that's neat that you have such a great history there. Do people who who, um, who meet you, do they ever mention those songs to you or either of those and say, hey, you're the guy who did so-and-so? How does that work? The funniest thing I will tell you, Steve, is that nobody knows that I did the Pokemon rap other than if I open my mouth and say it, you know, because there's two sides, maybe three sides to D-Train. 
because most people don't realize who I am as a songwriter, who I am as a singer, and then, you know, singer slash sideman. And then a lot of people don't know my jingles or my repertoire on movies or, you know, my film work. So it's interesting. Unless I say I did the Pokemon movie and did the Poke rap and television show, most people wouldn't know it. And nobody acknowledges it other than my children. <laughs> who were kids at the time. So that was the only time I was ever cool in my house. You know, it was like, oh, daddy got a new album coming out. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. My kids were never really into my music. And so, but when I did Pokemon, it was like, my dad's on Pokemon. My dad's on Pokemon. I was like, yes, got him. But uh, up until then, man, you know, it was like, they could take a leave my career. <laughs> It's always interesting. So many stories like that throughout the the franchise, whether you're, you know, Donna Summer or Ryan Reynolds, there's uh, fun little stories like that going throughout. Speaking of your other work, uh, what have you been working on more recently? You've actually had some uh, interesting stuff in your career just uh, within the last year or two. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. Well, in the past few years, I've had some great things, opportunity, 2015. Um, I sang for the Pope. Francis, uh, when he came to New York City at Madison Square Garden, the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of New York, uh, contracted me to sing uh, on Eagle's Wings for him at Madison Square Garden, and it was hosted by Martin Sheen, who became my friend, and uh, Rosanna Scotto, who was on Fox 5 News in New York City. And it was a wonderful gig, and it was, you know, you got, you weren't there, you weren't able to be there while the Pope was coming in, because there's just too much security, but it was a wonderful opportunity, and then from that, I got to work with the Boston Pops Symphony Orchestra. Uh, before that, 2012 to 2014, uh, I sang for President Barack Obama at the White House for the Kennedy Center Honors, backing up everybody from Sting to Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, Garth Brooks, Kid Rock, all of them. And then uh, 2016, I went on the road with the Boston Pop Symphony Orchestra singing Purple Rain after Prince died. Mm. And so it just kept evolving. Each year I would get these great opportunities. Recently, I finished recording my new album, which is called D-Train, The Other Side of the Tracks. I changed my name from James D-Train Williams to D-Train, so it's simply D-Train now, and um, because I own the uh, the trademark to D-Train, mm. and so I said I might as well live it and become it, you know, and, and have that as my legacy, you know. But um, recently I finished recording my new album, which is a collection of 16 beautiful songs that range from R&B to pop to, uh, to country. Um, at 60 years old, Having worked and sang on so many different artists' um, album, I've worked with Shania Twain um, in New York, worked with Carrie Underwood, worked with, like I said, Garth Brooks. When you work with all these artists, you develop a wider spectrum of musical knowledge because you're underneath just watching how things evolve in their lives, and you, you draw and adapt that into your own career. And then going back and forth to Great Britain and to Europe, it's a great thing to learn how music evolves in the European nations and countries 
And, and recently, you just got approved for a residency, which is basically where a performer uh, performs at a specific venue uh, uh, for a couple months or a couple weeks or whatever. Tell us about that. Sure. Industrial Park Space. Hi, folks. I think D-Train is referring to the industrial event space in Las Vegas here. Here in Las Vegas, Nevada, I uh, just gave myself and Elisa Fiorello a residency for July and August. Uh, we're doing two nights in July, two nights in August. I believe it's going to continue into September, October, November. You know, they're giving us two nights a month uh, to start with, simply because I can't do four nights because I'm traveling back and forth to Europe. Um, I'll be in Greece in June. I'll be in Chicago in July at the Chosen Few Festival. And in August, I'll be in London, England at the end. So they couldn't do, you know, two nights in the beginning, two nights in the end, because they had to base it around my schedule when I was going to be in town. So the name of the show will be called Soulful. By the way, Soulful is two words, S-O-U-L-F-U-L-L. So if you're looking for the name of the show that we had the residency for, it's called Soulful. And we do music from the 70s, the 80s, uh, R&B music uh, from Earth, Wind & Fire to Cool in the Gang to, you know, so many other Stevie Wonder. And it's going to be a nice eclectic mix of what was to what now is. So I'm excited about that because now I can invite people and say, hey, come check us out. All right. And uh, do you have any like social media or website or anything like that that you'd like to point people to? Uh, yes. Um, the official DTrain.com will be finished at the end of uh, June, uh, the beginning of June. Uh, the official DTrain.com. You can find me on Facebook at Facebook slash James DTrain Williams. But again, all of my social media is being changed over to D-Train because I changed the name. But uh, right now, the official D-Train.com is the best way to try to reach me through my website. I've just hired a social media team to deal with that. But if you want to reach me before then, go to James D-Train Williams or the fan page is all aboard the D-Train at Facebook.com. You can reach me there with any inquiries at this point until the website is finished. All right. Well, it's been great having you on. You've had a great career. Sounds like you still have a lot more left to do, though. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. It's wonderful to be here with you, man. And, you know, it was wonderful talking about Pokemon and my, my good buddy Bobby Floyd, man. God rest his soul, man, in heaven. And uh, I wish nothing but good things for you, man. All right, folks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter. When I first got my first bunch of checks, I was like, excuse me, I called up um, Bill Eaton immediately, and I said, Bill, something's wrong. They sent me five checks in XYZ amount. I think the machine is broken. He said, well, stupid, if you don't want the money, then I'll take it. Send the checks to me. <laughs>
I said, you mean they're mine? He goes, yes. I said, oh, thank you. So after then, man, you know, I was real happy. And, you know, being the jingle world ended in 2000 uh, when the unions went on strike fighting for cable rights from Mm. MTV and all of those things. When we came back to work, there was no work and all the jingle houses closed because they had been out of work for nine months. Mm. So I took my retirement early from SAG and, um, you know, and after and moved out here to Vegas. But the banter between the two of us was natural because it was our everyday MO. It was like when we, if there was a session and we didn't even have to be the leads on the session. We could just be singing backgrounds. All the group would go, oh, no, Bobby's here. D-Train and Bobby? Okay, let's try and get through this. Because <laughs> they knew the two of us were going to act up, and we did. And, you know, we'd get through it, but everybody would always be laughing through most of the session. Because Jack Black came out with that movie a couple of years ago, and I got wind of it, and I was like, wait a minute. And everybody was like, you don't have anything to do with that movie called All Aboard the D-Train with Jack Black? I was like, no! No! What are you talking about? And then when I looked at it, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I went and hurry up and trademarked the name for all things entertainment. That might be why you don't see All Aboard the D-Train, too. Because <laughs> they would have to come to me for license. Because it's not what we have over here. Over here, we have segregated musical charts. Like now there's five different types of countries. So things have changed here where in Great Britain... There was one chart, and I believe there still is, for all music. So if you have an R&B record, a pop record, a country record, it's one chart played by the BBC, and it's either good or it's bad. So that taught me a lesson about music and how to make it and make people understand it. So if you make good music and good songs, uh, I think people will relate to it and come to it and evolve to it. You know what I mean? You know, soulful to us is the evolution of what soul music was, because we know what it was, you know, but a lot of kids nowadays don't know about Gladys Knight or Stevie Wonder or what it took to get what is known as soul. Well, well, my reaction is that it, it seems to be something of a Jigglypuff song. And, and one mm. of the things, I mean, there's the la 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 that she talks about, but also the up, 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 which you know, Jigglypuff is the balloon Pokemon. The way that it says uh, up, up, up there is kind of reminiscent. reminds me of, like, I think it's Jigglypuff's sound uh, it makes while it's jumping in Smash Brothers. Kind of reminds right. me of that cadence and, and a little bit of that sound there. <laughs> and and when you get to the music video, actually, they kind of go really into that. There's a, it has a bit of, a, bit of an arc to it. Uh, she's at a hotel... She's watching TV with, uh, it has like, what?